Welcome to How Now, the podcast where we talk about how to live in the now. And here's your host, Kim Martin Raymond. And blessings, love, and light. This is Kim Martin Raymond, host of the How Now podcast, where we talk about how to live in the now. And welcome to another edition of our show. I'm so glad that you all are here with us as we talk about what's going on in the now. And tonight's show is entitled Abilities in the Disability Community. And this is a special group of people who I have had the opportunity to work with for over 20 years. And that is the disability community. And my guests who joined me this evening are very special to my heart. One of them I've known over 20 years and the other we've met more recently, but that is my spiritual sister. And the one thing that connects all of us is the disability community. So we wanna dive right into that. And uh, before we do, as customary with our How Now podcast, I'm going to have my guests to introduce themselves because when they do, they have an opportunity to introduce themselves to the world in the manner in which they want to be received. So I will have them introduce themselves at this time. Thanks, Kim. Um, This is Diane, and um, I, like you said, we've known each other for quite a long time, more than we want to count, I suppose, (laughs) but I have worked in the disability arena in the provision of community-based services to people with disabilities since I'll really date myself since the late 70s, like about 1977 in South Florida, and then moved to Georgia in 94. And the rest of my career um, continues now in in providing of services throughout Georgia. Um, I'm a social worker by training and education. Mm -hmm. This work is my passion. I often joke and say, it's a good thing I don't get fired because I don't know how to do anything else. I I just love what I do and I will keep doing it until they wheel me out of the place and say, get out of here. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. And you're right. We we have quite a history. We have yes, quite a history. And- uh, yeah, I should have added that I'm presently the, well, I've worked with United Cerebral Palsy uh-huh. since 1984, some in South Florida and, so, and the rest of my career in Georgia, as I said. And I'm presently the president and CEO of United Cerebral Palsy of Georgia, as well as United Cerebral Palsy of South Carolina. And I also serve as the administrator of an association of providers who um, support people with disabilities around the state. So that's me. Okay, well, it's my turn. I'm Loma Stanley, and I am... A bunch of different things. I, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I do a lot of things. But I am the mother of an adult daughter who was born with cerebral palsy. And that's how I got introduced to the disability population. And I am a caregiver. I am a disability community advocate. Um, I do marketing communications geared towards um, helping companies reach the disability population. I am a singer, songwriter, author, speaker, a lot of different things. I am the producer of a television show called Disability World because my mission is to help 
generate awareness about this population and how important it is and how viable it is and how able it is to do things that a lot of people don't realize. And so as a journalist, which is what I started doing out of college, um, that's my goal is to really just share information and help to maximize the, the potential and heighten the uh, quality of life for people um, with disabilities and families like mine. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what I do and that's my passion. Yes, I am so delighted that you both are here, Diane and Norma. I am, you know, blessed to to have seen your work in action on on different levels, you know, both personally and professionally. And um, we definitely are here to talk about something that is so critical that's happened. We've had a pandemic. We know that we have some people in the disability community that require, you know, hands-on care. And all of a sudden, the world stopped. And, you know, my thoughts were about that. You know, I, I was coming out of the school system. Uh, you know, I worked as a paraprofessional and assistive technologist and, you know, spent a lot of time hands-on with the children. I worked one-on-one -on -one with a, a child that has cerebral palsy um, in an elementary school setting. And when everything shut down and the school shut down, I immediately thought of all of the many children that I've worked with, and I'm sure the adults that you work with, Diane, the group homes, the, the day habilitation centers, what happened when the world stopped? We'll start with you, Diane. What happened? Oh my goodness. Well, you know, um, the world really stopped for us March 16th, where the individuals that we support, and I should say to give some context, um, the organization United Cerebral Palsy that I work with, we provide um, housing opportunities for individuals around the state in small group homes and independent living kinds of situations, as well as some daytime activities for people who want to engage in um, leisure, craft learning opportunities of all sorts during the day, kind of, you know, the Monday through Friday kind of routine. So the world stopped for us on the 16th when the national public health emergency was uh, was declared. And, you know, like the week before, we're talking amongst our leadership team, you know, word is that this is going to happen, things are going to shut down, and we're thinking, oh my goodness, how do we prepare the people we support who have varying degrees of intellectual and, and developmental disabilities, some with the ability to completely understand, to understand, you know, that there was a sickness out there and we needed to help make sure that they stayed safe and healthy, and others who were really not necessarily able to cognitively process what was going on, but knew that their daily routines were changing. Right. So we went on lockdown the um, 200 or more individuals that we support in living circumstances really have been home since March 16th. Wow. And literally, other than maybe an occasional doctor's appointment or such, have not gone out of the house. You know, we've said you can go walk the neighborhood and that kind of stuff, be out in the fresh air, but we've really tried to keep them so safe because they are met many of the people, and I, I think Norma might agree that that they have other compromising conditions, co-occurring issues health-wise that make them at a particular risk. Mm -hmm. So we've had to, um, you know, say, you can't be out there. Plus the governor's executive order for Georgia has said that people that live in long-term care settings right. are required to shelter in place. 
So for the population of people that we work with every day, we've had to keep them home and kind of re-gear and retool how we do things to keep people happy, right. engaged and entertained, stimulated. Right within the confines of the four walls right. of home. And then, you know, of course, our advocacy for all others with disabilities, intellectual or otherwise um, physical disabilities who are in the communities living at home, um, which Norma's real familiar about, you know, how do you help them navigate all of that change? Because the world has become so restricted. So I would just sum that up and try to, I'm a yacker, so stop me whenever. No, that's fine. <laughs> Is to say that I just had an interview with somebody doing a research study today out of um, Georgia State. You know, there are folks' reactions to all of this is, um, you know, the sense of isolation, a little bit of sadness, um, a little bit of antsiness. And this was what their research was showing about people with disabilities. And I said, yeah, kind of like the rest of us, right? Right. So, <laughs> while it's different, it's the same, right? Right, right, yeah. right. Now, the, the only question I have about that though is, is when you talk about staffing, I know that they had the rotations. How did, how did that? Oh my goodness. You know, the heroes of our work always have been our direct support professionals, yes. always. And in this instance, particularly so. Um, you think about people who, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is that this is not a, a high wage, lucrative career for people. Right. And it really, I kind of hate that notion of it kind of takes a special person, but it really does. Right. And the day-to-day -day of providing real hands-on care in sometimes the most intimate parts of someone's life, from their personal hygiene to their ability to eat and, and whatever, whatever level of assistance they might need. So these people, we call direct support professionals, who come in and provide this care running shifts 24 seven, keep showing up. A lot of these folks have second jobs. They've got families to tend to, um, maybe multi-generational families of their own to tend to. So the remarkable and a heroic part about them um, is that they, they keep showing up, you know? And we've had homes that have become positive because our staff has had to live their lives, so they may have been exposed, so then they come to work and everybody else gets exposed, yeah. but they keep showing up, you know, right. and they keep doing the work with an enormous amount of kindness and um, support and energy and, I mean, really hundreds of the most remarkable people I've ever worked with in my career. I absolutely can say this. Yes. Yes, like you said, empathy is definitely a thing because, you know, we, we're all experiencing the same thing at the same time and have to, mm -hmm. to you know, be able to, to not discount anybody's feelings or emotions about it. And so I think that that's phenomenal that, you know, like you said, that they keep showing up and that yeah. does make them very special oh, people. My goodness, remarkable. All right, yeah. all right. So, so like I said, that with that being said, Let's go to Norma, because Norma, like you said, you have a um, adult daughter, uh, yeah. and I'm sure that she had activities that she was doing out of the house and, and you know, sheltering in place. What was your experience? Sierra loved going to her day program, and um, that was part of her routine since she was, what, 21? Right. And so and she's 32 now, so for her not to be able to go out every day, you know, she doesn't have, she's, you know, intellectually... Um, 
disabled and um, you know, she doesn't have the intellectual capacity of somebody her age. And so she realized after a while that we're not leaving as, we, wow. as often as we used to, you know. And uh, you know, so she got used to it after a little bit. She, she was taking more naps than she usually does. But um, in her day program, they didn't actually start doing, and they never really explained why, but they didn't actually start doing any programs online until um, August. Oh, okay, wow. wow. I know, I wasn't happy about that. And wow. so, yeah, so they just, they, you know, so, and then they you know, got an hour a day where, and she was used to the interaction and seeing her wow. friends every day and she wanted, she liked that. Um, you know, she is total care also, so, you know, so I've been the one doing everything um, on the on the times when the caregiver is not here to help me do things that need to be done because of, because of the things that I do. Um, I haven't been as active as I was prior to COVID, but I still try to get things done. So every now and then I do have to go to an in-person meeting because I sing every now and then. I do have to go someplace to sing or, you know, whatever. So I have caregivers. One of the caregivers lives right around the corner within my subdivision. So that's been, she's been here is um caregiver since she was born. Oh wow! wow. So wow. That's, a, that's a blessing. So um, she's one of my caregivers, and the one who does respite is close by also. So that's a blessing. Um, but you know, it, it it changed my life, and and it changed Sierra's life. But I have to say that it gave us a lot more time together. Right. Um, even though I'm with her all the time. Right. Um, you know, she's always like coming into my room. You know what you're doing. She doesn't talk. She says a few words. Uh -huh. But when she comes into my room, I mean, she's bored and she wants to do something else. Uh, you know, she's not much of a television watcher. You know, I put on the kind of movie. Anything that has music, she wants to she's just there. But if the music stops, then she's bored. And so um, I have to kind of put things on loop. Um, along with the singing, she's a happy camper. But the point is that, you know, it has changed. But it was it, at the same time, it was a blessed year for me because I was able to regroup and, and attention to some things that I wasn't able to do before because I was right. running, running, running. And I was able to catch up a little bit. I was able to rest a little bit, yeah. which was important to me because again, I am, you know, Sierra's dad died 11 years ago. Um, we were married 25 years. And oh. so I'm a caregiver, you know, single mom and all that, widow, widow. And, you know, she, she, she adapts very well. Right. You know, sometimes I wonder, you know, I'm almost thankful that this is something she doesn't understand right. because she just keeps it moving. She does not get sad. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't know what's happening. The only time she knows what's happening is if I'm not around. She knows when I'm not around, if I'm gone for a period of time. Right. So we're, we're, you know, we're, we're adjusting. We're blessed in that, you know, even though I do have to go and come, I don't go too often. And we, I can take her out in the car and take her for a drive and, you know, um, visit one or two people like the lady who lives around the corner who has been taking care of her for all these years. So that's about it. We don't really, we haven't had too much family. We don't have family here. Wow. Um, I have a brother who works 25 seven. So I hardly ever see him and the rest <laughs> of the family is up north. So we yeah. haven't seen family in over a year. Right. And so, you know, that's the part that of course everybody hates. You can't see a family. Right. But uh, I'm loving Zoom because we, we at least see each other on the computer. <laughs> Very good. So, you know, yeah. you, you, you just adapt. You, you have to work well. Yeah. Well, I mean, like now you said that she's involved with her, um, with the uh, day habilitation program. And so now they're doing things. So they're doing Zoom as well. 
they're doing a Zoom program online where you know they have little programs. <laughs> they do Friday is, is dance day, so they just have a DJ on Friday that plays music, oh, nice. and they, they always have little parties once a month at least. But Monday through Thursday, they do they have programs where they're you know it's only only about an hour from like eleven to twelve, but you know and I have to work around that too because I only have the one computer. Oh, okay. <laughs> so oh, it's wow. like so I don't make any meetings right now. I try not to have any meetings around that time where they're going to be doing Sierra's day program thing. Wow. Um, so it's it's been challenging, but she you know when when they call her name, she perks up. Generally, she's not really paying attention. Sierra doesn't really watch television. She really doesn't pay attention to things that are videos and all that. Right. If it's, there's no music, but wow. they'll call her name and she'll she'll talk back and say hi and and, and, and interact. Okay. You know, so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's challenging. I can only imagine. I mean, she's not medically fragile. She's not, um, you know, some of these families, they have a real challenge in keeping their children engaged and, you know, keeping them stimulated. Um, you know, I, I, I wish it could be different, but right. I mean, this is where we are and right. we just have to kind of fill in where we can. Um, as caregivers, as parents, as, you know, whoever it is that's close by, you know, I take, I play with her a lot more than I used to, right. you know, I'll take time and, and, you know, we'll sing because she loves to sing along. She doesn't say the words, but she likes to sing along anyway. That's she, right. She, that's she, right. And I've had, and I've had the pleasure of hearing her sing and I love it. And I've had oh, pleasure yeah. of seeing her, see oh. you sing and she will go up on, she will climb up on stage yes, and, she and sway with her mom. I love it. I love it. Sierra yeah, is, yeah, is amazing. True. And I mean, like you said, that the, the one thing that's interesting though, in all this is, is the whole technology aspect too, because I then Diane, you can speak to this too, because a lot of the uh, the uh, population that we serve have like devices that they use or have had tablets and iPads and other types of technology, and now they're using them in a different way. So, how is the technology looking for you with these families that aren't, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, I think obviously, you know, you kind of realize also what they kind of used to call the digital divide, right? So there's the haves and the have-nots. And so we know that for some families, just connectivity is an issue um, where we've tried to, you know, we offer a lot of day services around the state and which are closed. And so for the people that live with us that would have attended one of those day programs, we have staff in the home and they're really hands-on doing the activities and keeping people busy and doing stuff um but for the people that we support in day services who still live at home um, right. with their folks like like norma's daughter right. um we've tried to again hook them up through zoom um with tablets we've given them the devices for people that feel like they're capable of managing that right. but i think you know when you look at the um the, the kind of the curve of people that we support that are out there that have needs, you know, some people are able to engage in access wow. that and enjoy it, the time, the screen time, and other people like Norma, you were saying about your daughter, that that's really not her thing. So everybody's well-intentioned and trying to, like they say, make a silk purse out of a sow's ear, right? We're just trying to make the best mm -hmm. of this and keep people feeling connected yeah. um, to whatever degree they're able to. And then recognizing again that, you know, not everybody has access. Right. Um, you know, the more rural parts of the state or whatever, for economic reasons, people may not have connectivity and that kind of thing. And those disadvantages really come to the fore. And it makes me wonder, you know, we know that we're form a circle around the people 
that we support right. and, and do the very best we can. But I think about typical kids and families who don't have access and can't do all that's expected of parents right now, which is right. an awful lot. Right. Well, I mean, and 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 you're right with regards to to the technology. It's not for everyone, and just like you, like uh, Norma was saying, everybody's not engaged in that. And so, some of the things that they're doing, it, it's just a, a regular day. The only thing that's different is that they can't go to their day rehabilitation programs if that's right. They're not leaving the house, or they're not right. able to 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 go out and do some of those things. So for them. It may not necessarily be uh, always a technical issue, but but more like you said, of a social um, issue, right. on, uh, you Listen. know, for those who who like to go out and be able to connect. Yeah, so, and that's the same, same thing with environment. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Nora. No, I was just saying the same thing with typical children. They miss the interaction exactly. with their friends. Exactly. And so do our children. Exactly. That you know, it's it's amazing. It's amazing how how you know the the divisions and the divides. All of a sudden, it everything becomes a level playing field. Right. <laughs> it levels out, and and you don't see as much of the difference because now you know for some people that's their regular existence for typical and for and for people with special needs. Right. So it, you know it 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 definitely leveled the playing field there, and and has you know. Just, I think more of the care has been something that's, that's, uh, you know, would be, I guess would be the biggest issue. Just making oh, sure that you're having intense. people. Probably more intense. Like yeah. for Norma, where you're really far more 24 seven than maybe you would be under non-COVID circumstances because here would be leaving during the day and you'd have a couple of free hours during the day. Right. Um, but I think Kim, to your point about kind of leveling the playing field, I think in, in if we try to, again, make something positive out of what's not really a great situation mm-hmm. is that I think and, and that's why I think your program is so important because helping people understand that as, as different as we may see ourselves from someone with a disability, mm-hmm. this um, experience shows us how much the same we are because we all have emotions and we all feel things and we may not be able to articulate those feelings, but, but people that know us and care about us can sense how we're feeling, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're bored and depressed or angry or frustrated or all of those things. That's the great equal right because we all feel those things we may just not be able to articulate it that's it oh my goodness that i mean that is i mean it could not have been said any better with that because that's exactly what it is it it does it it puts us in a space of of trying to you know just just figure out how to navigate everything is about adaptation everything is about adjustment you know, so when we're put in a place where we're unable to do something, just like those who are disabled, if there's something that they're not able to do, then we try to find innovative ways and different ways to be able to, exactly. you know, to, to create that peaceful existence that we talk about, about coping, creating a peaceful existence. That's what it's about. Being able to, to say, okay, th- we can't do it this way, but how can we do it? So uh focusing in on what those abilities are, like you were saying, you know, because there are so many, you know, Sierra may not be able to sing the words, but she can carry a tune. And so, you know, we try to maximize that. And I'm actually on a board called, of a a group called Show Ability. And that's an organization that works to help people with performing artists' abilities who may have also um, some intellectual or other types of disabilities but they can sing, they can dance, they can do show spoken word, they can act, 
whatever it is that they can do, this particular organization wants to be able to, you know, give them an opportunity to, to like I said, everybody deserves a stage. That's their That's and, awesome. And, but also the, the venues, I mean, they, they want to be, because I know when I take my daughter out, I don't like for her to miss anything. Um, you know, a lot of these places are not really accessible for you to bring your family and friends, you know, if you're somebody who's in a wheelchair like my daughter is. Um, so those are the kind of things that show ability focuses on and just so this little plug, we have a, a, a live concert and it's gonna air at the end of the month. They're having a little gathering and I'll make sure you talk, you guys get some information about it. Okay. But um, the point is that, you know, the abilities and, and honing in on whatever those might be is really wow. kind of important. Why? So that Why? we can, you know, maximize whatever potential they may have. That's it. So like I said, so here we are, we're in 2021 <laughs> and you know, they're, they're talking about vaccinations and all of these other things. Diane, what are you hearing about that? I mean, with regards to the vaccination, are they, are they going to, you know, what's being said? I'm, I'm trying to figure out now, now that we're in this, you know, of course the show is how now. So we're talking about how, how are we navigating in this space yeah. now? It's um, this whole vaccination business um, is really um, cumbersome and complicated and a challenge. Um, every state had to submit a plan to the feds of what, how they were going to categorize people and how they were going to deliver the vaccine. So in Georgia, um, um, the, uh, the first responders, hospital workers, all those kinds of people, and then to essential workers. So thankfully, like our staff at the homes are considered essential workers so they can be vaccinated. The individuals can be vaccinated because they're residents of long-term care. They're in the same big bundle of people as nursing home folks or assisted living folks or those people. And then we know just the ordinary um, 65 and older crowd. Well, but the, so then the vaccines arrive in Georgia, what was it, a couple of weeks ago, maybe now a month ago, and they're given to every local health department. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Georgia's a big state. I don't know if you know this little tidbit, but Georgia has more counties than any yes. state in the country. Right. A, lot of little, yeah, a lot of little kingdoms out there. That's right. And, <laughs> so, so and, and, and it's a complex task given to all of these different entities who see things differently, understand regulations differently. So the long and the short of it is trying to schedule our, the people we support for receiving the vaccine and also um, for our staff who want to, for them to receive the vaccine. Um, we have one staff person who's done nothing but try to coordinate this for about two weeks. Mm -hmm. and, and we still have not had one vaccine yet. So it's just all of this groundwork. So it's very cumbersome. And, you know, one of the things that we're going to devote, we've already started, but devoting more and more time to, which I think you all can, can understand, is that um, our workforce is brown and black for most part, right? Right. And um, there is a lot of cultural uh, myths, I would say myths, about vaccinations and all kinds of things and distrust. Maybe right. not just myths, but an right. element of distrust. Mm -hmm. 
So we've, you know, Morehouse University has done a lot of work around this to try to educate the community to not be fearful of this, to really do get the vaccine. So we're working to, to roll out a lot of education so that we can help encourage our staff to um, really seriously consider the vaccine versus automatically closing the door and saying, vaccine, no, I'm not doing it. Um, um, and I think it's important for people to understand that some, there are some who think, well, the vaccine's out there. If I get vaccinated, I'm never going to get COVID. That's not really the case. What the vaccine is going to do is prevent you from getting deadly ill from COVID. It's not going to stop you from getting it. So, you know, I think COVID's with us for you know, for the duration, right? But if we can help um, encourage people to minimize their risk, I think that that's what we're about, um, certainly for the people we support, um, and then also for our staff, the caregivers and, and caregiver families, because, you know, like Norma, what happens when, God forbid, Norma would get sick, what? right? That's you something know, that I think about I'm all sure the time. In your mind. Always. It's always in the back of my mind. And, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, your emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual health is so important. Absolutely. And oh my gosh. reaching Absolutely. out to parents, like, you know, having a peer group or having somebody you can talk to. There's so many parents who, even before COVID, you know, having a child with, with disabilities is not easy, especially if they have, they're medically fragile and you know, especially the newer parents. I mean, right. Sierra's 32 years old, but I didn't know what I was doing when she was doing. And so, you know, that's a real issue, especially the mental. Um, because, you know, if you don't, me, you know, God was everything. He brought me through the, 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 the doubt and gave me the strength to do what I thought, what I needed to do for my child. But but not everybody can handle it. And they're, they're, they feel alone. And so this, this is a time where we really have to reach out to other moms who are maybe going through some things and really just try to be available, even if it's through the phone or through Zoom or whatever, for them to talk, and, which is one of the reasons why, you know, we just have to be, we just have to be listening for, for, for somebody who may be having Yeah, that support network is so important, I think. Very yeah. important, it's very important. Yeah. I happen to have a small one, this one that I know I can depend on. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, it's it's important to me. If it's I didn't quality, have... not quantity. That's right. <laughs> huh? She said quality, it's quality. quality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They have to be. Oh, I, I don't trust anybody. You know, these are people I've known for years. Right. And so you have to be very particular about who takes care of my child. She's nonverbal, and she's a she's a young woman, and she's a pretty young woman. And you know, I just don't take any chances. So there's so much that's involved. But but you know. I really encourage um, families to really, you know, if, if they need to talk to anybody, if they need to, because I hear somebody, it just bothers me when you hear people who take themselves out because they don't know what else to do. Right. And in this time, it's very trying, very, you know, if you don't have hope right. and if you don't have strength, it can really bring you down. And so I strongly encourage people to, to go get massages and go take care, have the self-care especially if they're a caregiver. And, uh, well, I do a monthly massage. I just started doing that last year. <laughs> when, I turned, when I turned 60, 61, uh -huh. I thought I gave it to my birthday. I said, I'm going to get a massage every month. It wow. relieves the stress for me. Right. Um, it took me that long to do it, but I, I, I was going to start doing it. It helps a lot. 
And, um, you know, sometimes you just have to do that for yourself. And a lot of parents, you know, because we're the last ones we think about. We're doing everybody else's That's thing. Right. Trying to take everybody else's thing. It's so important. And so I really would like to encourage any mom who's listening to this or any family member who has, a, a, you know, somebody who's taking care of a child to, to support that person by letting them have their, their me time. That's right. Um, and, and, you know, really de-stress wherever possible. Yeah, well, you know, you you, you touched you touched on that, and like I said, I'm I want to roll back just a little bit about that. You know, being able to educate families and providers and things like that, and I think that you know, Diana, hats off to you for for you know partnering with with Morehouse and and for trying to make sure that that we are educated about the things that are going on because a lot of things are based in fear and uncertainty, and if we don't know and we don't educate ourselves, we can't make. The, the types of decisions that need to be made for our lives. I know there are a lot of people that were talking about, you know, I'm not sure I want to wait a little bit of time, you know, myself included. I was kind of like, eh, you know, I kind of want to a little wait and see, I, you know, there's new strands coming up and, and you're just not sure. So being able to educate, I mean, you know, certainly, I mean, I think what we can do is provide the information and, and be available to answer questions and then be respectful of the decisions that people make. But we want to make sure that they're making a well-informed decision. There is no right answer to this. It's your right answer. It's not what I think anybody should do is that all of us feel differently about this. Exactly. Cause I don't like getting the flu shot. I'm not saying I'm yeah. I've never had the flu shot and neither has Sierra. So I'm yeah. not rushing to get the injection. But I agree that people need to have the information. Absolutely. And they can arm do what they need to have and make their own individual decisions. So, Absolutely. you know, yeah. they just I'll need to have the right information. I was right. going to say, you nailed it, uh, Diane, when you said that. You said, you know, it's it's giving them that information and then allowing them to make that decision and, and not, you know, holding it against them if they decide consciously to 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 no, not do it or not. to do it you know but but you know at least equipping them at least arming them that is not right. just saying well i just don't want to do it because i i'm just not going to do it then, right and that's know, why we made the decision organizationally that we are not requiring or mandating people get the vaccination wow. i think that's too much of a personal choice i just want people to be able to make an informed choice right Right. And that's so important. I mean, and, uh, and that's part of the challenge too, because this is something that I've always been, I always wondered about, you know, Sierra, like I said, is 32. And a lot of the information that's out there, there's many organizations and all these, a lot of the information is still not getting to the parents. It's grassroots effort. Somehow, right. there's a lot of critical information that's still not getting to the families. I don't get it. But I mean, this has been something I didn't find out until Sierra was 14, there was something called respite. Wow. I'm just saying it's so and I was one of those people who was actually looking, whatever, but you have to know what questions to ask because you know know what you don't know. Right. Exactly. And if another and I've learned a lot of what I've learned from another parent who's gone through it, not necessarily from some of the places that's supposed to be there to provide the resources. It's the strangest thing. But I'm hoping that we can get better at some of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that the that, you know, this this pans- pandemic has has at least, you know, opened up the platform for discussion on some of the things that, that get, can be done. Some of the things that are, you know, some of the services and things that are available that people don't necessarily know about. And just like you said, you don't know what you don't know. 
you know, but when the whole world stops, then people start looking for answers. Then people start digging or when they start to spend yeah. more time with their families and seeing that there are certain needs that are not being met, then they can go out and start saying, okay, I, I'm, I'm noticing this. I didn't notice it before. I thought that this service was provided and now people are starting to ask the questions. So that's what things yeah. like this. That's what the, this show is about. Other shows are about just trying to open that that uh you know that platform to be able to have a conversation about it so that that way you're bringing things to to you know people's attention and and saying okay the more we know the best you know the best way we can get from that that fear stage to that information stage to that stage of growth where we can now reach back and help others and bring others along so that that way we can get to that that space of peace and 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 to piggyback on on what you said um Norma about self care and taking care of yourself just like you said as a as a provider as a as a parent for you taking care of of uh you know Sierra and, and, you know, being able to do some things for yourself, because just like they always say, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup, your cup has to overflow so that you can pour into others. So I love that you say that self-care and, and, and massages and things are important so that that way you're in a good mind space. You're putting the oxygen mask on yourself so that that way, when, when Sierra has needs, you can go about meeting them and not from a, place, a space of depletion. So I love that that's how you're living in the now. Exactly. Yeah. If, if anything happens to me, her whole culture of life changes. I pray every day that God lets me live a long time. But you know, you don't know. But mm -hmm. I have to take care of myself. I have to walk when it's not too cold outside. I walk every day um, for at least an hour and a half. And that's my quiet time, I, I talking to God is. time. Nice. Yeah, not, not when it's cold today, like today, no. But I try, you know. And he, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm in my. 60s now and and you know so you got to do what we have to do to 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 to, to stay active right because right. as you get older start, start feeling pains and everything else and you just don't it happens so right. i'm doing what i can to, to to give myself the energy and the vitality that i need to take care of sierra and still do what i need to do for me so that mm. we both can have the best quality of life if at all possible on whatever time we have left that's and because if I can't, she won't have a great life if I don't have a great life. And so my goal is to do it so that we both can have the time we have left. You want to, you want to add it to the wheels fall off, as they say. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's that. That's wonderful. And like I said, um, you know that that's important. Now, Diane, for you, what are what are some of the things that you're doing personally? Uh, you know, to live in the now and to to navigate in this space because I'm sure it's stressful to to you know govern these uh you know organizations and and you have to have just as much <laughs> going for you to help you know to be able to yeah, but, you know we all have to fill our tank one way or another right yes. And, yes. and and I think what Norma was talking about is so true and I hats off to you Norma for recognizing the importance of of fueling yourself so you can be there for your daughter and so that you have a quality of life too that you're not just Sierra's mom so I think that that's really admirable and hats off to you. But, but you know, I've always been, um, I think I'm really fortunate in, in two ways. Number one, I've never, and people don't even believe this, but it's really true. In my nearly 40 year career, I've never had a day that I didn't want to go to work. I love what I do. Wow. So, you know what they say, when you love what you do, it's not really a job, right? That's so, right. I mean, that's really, I mean, 
an absolutely no joke, wow. aside from the challenges of dealing with government bureaucracies and, um, you know, obviously having several hundred employees, you know, there's challenges, <laughs> all of those things, but I love every single day. And I can say that with all sincerity. Yeah. And I think the other thing that I'm very fortunate about is that while I do bring it home, there's no question about that, but I think that I'm, I'm able to find a time to kind of tune it off and turn it off. Um, my husband and I are empty nesters and we've, we've kind of said that this this COVID period, maybe we need in a funny way, we needed a little social distance because now we're together like 24 seven, right? Right, right. <laughs> married for 40, 40 years going on 41. So that's wow. okay. So we obviously will can navigate through that. But that ability, that time with my my spouse is so important. Um, he's a person that has a great sense of humor. So we always are laughing and, and joking. Um, family time and just real downtime, binge watching, TV programs and and some outdoor time and um, we have a little cabin that we go to and on a lake and I get away and we go on the boat and do some stuff there so just those kinds of things to to refill refill see that's wonderful and that and that's what it's all about like you said we we cannot pour from from an empty cup and the the work that you both do. Yeah, just woke up to advocate. Oh, there goes oh, my girl. Hey, hey, hey Sierra. Hey, Sierra. <laughs> hey, Sierra. For those who are listening, Sierra hi. just hopped on. Say hey. Hey, Sierra. Say hi. Hi, there love. She is. How you doing? Say hi. <laughs> hi, honey. Hi. Hey. That's she heard me talking, hey, so she, she wants to come and visit. Yeah, that's great. Okay. She's leaving now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. It was nice to meet her. Yeah, she had a little cameo. So yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right? yes. I love her with all my strength. She is just a doll baby. I used yeah, to love her when we were, uh, you know, in church. Just her coming up and you know going over and giving her a little squeeze. Everything like that. I miss those times. I miss those times. Yeah, uh, I know. I know. Really, but. Before we know, it'll be back to normal. There you go. There you go. <laughs> now, before before we wrap things up here, I want to give you all an opportunity to, um, you know, give some contact information so people know how to get in contact with you. Um, you know, we'll also make sure that we have it available when your show airs. But we want to also, um, you know, give you an opportunity to tell people how they can get in contact with you. And we'll start with you, Diane. Okay, um, our United Cerebral Palsy office is in um, Atlanta off of Shamley Tucker, right inside Spaghetti Junction. And um, my phone number is 770-676-2000. So um, we're in and out of the office now, kind of spacing people out, but I'm always there and can get messages and so forth. And I'm really great about email. So I'll give you my email address as well, if you don't mind. Okay. If D as in dog, Willish, W-I-L-U-S-H at U-C-P-G-A dot org. And that's also our website, www.ucpga dot org. If people want to learn more and read about us. Absolutely. So thank you, Kim. Absolutely. All right. And uh, Norma? Hey, well, you can reach me at normastanley.com. And I'm, of course, I'm on Facebook and Twitter at, at an elected lady, um, at an elected lady. 
that's the name of my book. So that's a whole other story. An elected lady. An elected lady. That's Twitter. But if you go to normastanley.com, you'll find out anything you need to know about me. Uh-huh. And um, my contact number is 